Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the football podcast, and we're talking games from last week, games from this week, football news, football predictions. It's a whole heap of football. We've got full complement of hosts this week, so best thing to do is to get stuck in. Before we do, wherever you get in this podcast, please do consider subscribing, liking, sharing and commenting. Tell your friends, tell your family, because uh, it means the world to us. So uh, thanks if you're doing that. Here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. There you go, you see, recording in progress. Not the wrestling variety, though. That's uh, that's a different podcast. This is Football Podcast, and it's got an amazing name, and that name is Football Podcast. And then, like, you know, what series it is, and the number of the, the, the week, and... Sort of put a cross-podcast spin on it. Do you reckon if Amy was to find out the name of this podcast, she'd vote for all other podcasts to beat it in a head-to-head situation? Yes, yeah, she she would be like, oh, which, which podcast are you going up against this week? Oh, it's the Joe Rogan podcast. Right, okay, I'm, I'm rooting for Joe Rogan this week to pip you at the post. As as every week, it's it's so close. We need to We need to sort of like... I think we need to try and monetize that by sort of capitalizing on something like basically what I might do for Christmas is I might sign her up as a as a as a as a supporter of the Washington football team or something like that and just get her to send get him to send her merchandise every month or something like that. Yeah, do they do like a loot crate for the Washington oh. football team? God. I really hope so. Either that or I'll just basically sort of like I'll I'll try and befriend Chase Young on uh, on WhatsApp and Twitter and stuff like that, and I'll just pester him every day until he sends me signed jerseys and stuff like that, and then she'll just have to like. I mean, you know, it's that time of year, we are coming to the end of the year, and that thing that Stu really loves and I really love in November uh, is coming, so, you know, all I've, I've got one word for you, Paul, and that word is cameo, baby. <laughs> I'm just saying, I imagine you can find quite a few... Washington football team players who are like, hey, I'll do you a cameo. What's the name again? So, uh, yes, as 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 is as podcast gone past, we uh, we used to love starting any podcast and then talking about a completely different subject. So we brought it back to talking about NFL football on the football podcast. So uh, little little throwback there. Uh, full boat this week. We've got everybody. We've got all the 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 hosts, the co-hosts, and me, the uh, the rudder, some might say. That's uh, that's my uh, that's my pawn name. Um, right. So bear with me because there's a lot of numbers coming your way. We had six games to predict. Now at moment of recording 
one of the six games is in play. Isn't that right, Stu? Um, yes. And yes, it is. I'm reliably informed by a rival podcast host that uh, there are only three games to predict this week. What a, what a strange time to be alive. So, we might do a little higgledy-piggledy kind of thing. We might talk about five of six games, three of three. We might even fit the news in before we get the result of the sixth game from technically last week. Anybody else confused? If you're not, Always. check out how many people on the football podcast are drinking beer. That one didn't work very well because I, I, I genuinely thought everybody was drinking beer. Anyway, <laughs> Paul, where are we going to kick off? Uh, well, we might as well go through last week's uh, last week predictions, haven't we? It's a good place to start as any. You say that. You say that. You oh, don't worry. Yes, yes, I Don't you worry, my friend, because as 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 you boys all know, as I text you, but the uh, but the, the the adoring public are not aware. I took my first. There's a word beginning with P, and I can't think what it is. Pilgrimage. That's the one. That's exactly the word I'm looking for, Matthew. That's why he's here. That's why he's on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. He's there. Back. He's there to uh, you know pick up the slack when I basically drop the ball quite a lot. Um, yeah, to speak English. To the river dance on this Saturday to uh, to throw my support behind Chrissy Wilder's first game in charge of the borough, and I definitely didn't come away disappointed. Or did I? We'll find out when we come to the predictions. Oh, but yes, I've definitely got some. I've definitely got some comments about. That game and just Millwall's play in general. I mean, they don't do stereotypes by half them, what do they? We'll get on to that. <laughs> um, was was the first game on the list last week the whole Birmingham game, Mr. Cook? It it was due. You see, what's weird. Um, about this this week or not this week last week's predictions is although some of the home teams might be happy some of the hosts co-hosts and others might not be as happy sounds strange I know but let's talk about Hull City versus Birmingham City Stu anything to say about this game oh, quite a lot Actually, um, it was certainly not one for the. Uh, yeah, you know, if, if you wanted a quiet game where there was no controversy, then uh, Hull was not the place to be on Saturday afternoon. So, started off well enough with a Hull goal after 17 minutes for George Honeyman. All fine from a Hull perspective, except for if you actually watch the replay of it, the cross which he scored from. All of the ball was over the touchline, not picked up by any of the uh, officiating staff. Oh, Paul, Paul has something to say. No, but that was, it, sorry, I, I realised that I had my, uh, my mute on, but I, I, was, I was tutting. Uh, but yeah, essentially, ball went out of play, 
um, just just outside the left stick, but he got pulled back across um, by Longman and then tapped in. Birmingham had actually stopped playing because they'd seen the ball go out of play. The referee never blew. And as you're taught from possibly the earliest age in sport, play to the whistle, boys. So whilst it's, yeah, I mean, we shouldn't go about it because it definitely was out, but yeah, we, we need all the luck we can get at this point in time. Um, speaking of which, on 43 minutes, they had the gardener sent off for everybody's favourite football in the attack, the headbutt, which, as we all know, if you've seen actual football, they never go and nut somebody properly. They just sort of put their head against the other head and push them marginally. Um, but yeah, he did get sent off. Um, so that made the second half a little, uh, little lighter in numbers on their point. So decided that Hull could actually score a second this time. So Keen Lewis Potter crossed from the right wing to the back post. And not only did they score from this, not only did Malik Wilkes score that goal, but he even left the ground to head the ball. He actually jumped. I mean, it, it's, it's to die in art from, uh, from the Hull strike force. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to say that they've brought it back. So yeah, final score, Hull 2, Birmingham City, nil. So, for the Hull fan amongst us, big, big win, big win, loves it, 2-0, everyone's happy, points in the book. Or is it points in the book? Let's find out, because uh, the closest was Paul, because he correctly predicted 2-0. Unfortunately, Paul picked the wrong team. Do you know what doesn't get your points, boys? What doesn't get your points is when the other three people on the podcast went with a 1-1 draw. It's alright though. It's fine. Because at least of the two people that scored for Hull, between four of us, we're definitely going to get one... Oh, wait, no, that's right. We didn't get a single one of the goal scorers. So, uh, if you're following along at home, get your calculators ready, because that's nothing... For any of the scores, and no goal scorers equals four bagels to start the week. I'd like to say I think I can see where this is going already, but I don't want to flash ahead. It's probably a good point to drop in, you know, when the fun stops, stop and all that business, because this just shows why the book is making money. Oh, it's hilarious because it's, you know, soul-crushingly bad. But it's okay. Because Paul's going to tell us about the football game he actually attended, ladies and gents. It's Middlesbrough versus Millwall. Talk us through what was what what tipped your decision? What tipped you to think, you know what, I'm off. I'll see you guys later. So, like I said, it was it was Chris Wilder's first game in charge. So, I thought, I've not been this season. I've kind of been looking for an excuse or a reason to go. I mean, not that you need an excuse or a reason to go. The fact that it's 30 quid a time is a little bit off-putting, I'm not going to lie, because knowing from watching the standard of football, it's definitely not worth £30 a week. Let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade. They're not very good. If they were better, they'd be up the top or they'd be in the Premier League. Um, so it, it's it's a thing that needs it needs addressing really. They need to sort of 
in in the wider sort of footballing scheme, I think they need to bring in a like a a, a cap on ticket prices across the board, really, because it's it's a bit stupid that like you'd be you're paying the better part of that, and that, that's that's for like the cheapest seat in the uh, in the borough as well. Like, like some of the some of the t- some of the game ticket prices like thirty six quid, so it's not it's not cheap. Um, but I thought it's the first first time I'll get. I'll, First game I'll go to this season, so what better what better time to go than the first game of the new manager? Plus, I kind of resigned myself that I didn't want to go and see any more Warnock games because it was desperately bad football. Um, so everyone, everyone knows what's what's uh, what's what's best for a, a half of conducive, you know, free flowing pass and move football is for um, the team to commit a lot of fouls, yeah, and just. You know, generally break up the play. You know, try and scythe down your opponent anytime you get. You know, go down off the ball as if you sort of you know you've been shot from the stands by that local sniper who's doing the rounds. Um, so much so that at the end of the first half, they played seven minutes of injury time. Oh. Normally, at the end of a first half, you will get one minute. Of injury time, it was uh, it was just one of those games where you just you could just tell as soon as the game started that Millwall had come with no intention of playing football all day. They'd literally come to just spoil the game. So obviously, Gary Rowett set them up with a, with a with a clear sort of instruction of right. At no point can you ever let them get into a rhythm, get into like a pattern of like you know passing move play and stuff like that. It was very, very clear that he told them to just come and just ruin the game, which they successfully did. Um, Bora did take the lead, um, I think around the 15-minute mark. Um, it, was, it was quite good, actually. I, I think I texted uh, I think I texted you all. Um, they got the ball out on the left-hand side and Duncan Watmore cut down the byline, uh, managed to uh, trick the defender so much that he ended up on his ass, um, And then... Crossed the ball, took a huge deflection, looped up in the air, and Matt Crooks was at the back stick to head it in. So Matt Crooks got the opening goal for Middlesbrough. The equaliser. Ooh, where do we start with this one? So, Middlesbrough have the ball on the uh, on the halfway line, and uh, Duncan Watmore breaks clear. He is, uh, let's say, someone goes near him on the halfway line, and he's and he goes down. From where I was sat, it did look like he went down a little bit easily. But in clear view of everyone, including the referee, the linesman or the assistant referee flags for the free kick. The ref decides to play on, as he didn't obviously decided it wasn't a free kick. Not entirely sure why, as the, the referee's assistant is the person who's in the best position to sort of make the decision. And generally is why they're on the pitch. Um, Millwall then break the uh, the ball sort of gets played across the pitch and then they go across the edge of the of the, of the box. Um, Ex Derby player, I believe Mason Bennett. So you know, obviously, going to be a wildly popular player on this podcast. Um, decides to as he's going across the box, forearm smash Paddy McNair in the face, which is not given as a free kick. It is just the uh, the player is allowed to continue. Um, they then get the ball, cross it in, 
the ball is almost cleared by Borough, but uh, he sort of pings around the box and then someone kicks it against Sol Bamba. Uh, the goalkeeper slides, loses his footing as he goes to get the ball, and the ball just trickles into the goal. One of the one of the worst equalisers I think I've ever I've, I've ever seen. Um, it might have been it might have been uh, it might have been topped a couple of days later, but we'll get onto that later on when we come to uh, discuss the second game we played this week. Uh, but yeah, um, after after that, it was it was very much a case of Millwall were very much content just to sort of continue going back to just. Spoiling the game, just little niggly fouls here and there, just going down when they could to uh, to get the tempo and rhythm out of the game, and it petered out to a one-one draw. Yeah, it was one-one. Do you remember the uh, the, the the game before where three of us predicted a one-one uh, draw, and then and that wasn't the score in that game. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Paul, you had Borough down to win. Stu, you had Borough down to win. I had Borough down to win. Luckily for us, there is one man who in the dark of the night saw in the distance this has got draw written all over it. Didn't quite get the 1-1. He did go for a Desmond, but it does get him the point. Matthew Moore takes the first point of the week. That's important Obviously, for a reason. He, he, could, he could clearly see Millwall dancing in on their horse on their shit house horse from ago, <coughs> and he could just see him dancing in just to ruin the game and just spoil everyone's fun. I know it doesn't like particularly help with what followed, but what more did himself no favours with that? Um, like you said, he, did, he definitely. I've, I've seen the, the highlights of it, and he definitely did go down easily, which is why I think when then McNair took a forearm that ninety percent of the WWE roster will be proud of to the face, the ref was like, "Nah." I think he'd already been swayed by that point because of what more kind of and his uh, want of a better word trickery. One <laughs> one thing I've completely forgotten about that's just reminding me now because we're discussing McNair. Um, in the first half, he also took an arm to the face and uh, was bleeding. So he'd earlier in the game taken a forearm smash to the eyebrow and was cut up. So again, just another. He, he did a blade job, obviously, and you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, Matt did take first point of the week. And when I put Crooks down to score, I get the second point of the week. That's very important, people. Now, I know it's difficult to hold those two points. You might want to write them down. Make a little note yeah, somewhere of the two points. Speaking of Matthew Moore, his team went up against Reading. And, uh, well, I'm not saying there's a pattern here, but Matt, what uh, what was the score in this game? Talk us through this one. Well, first me, the, the local trip to Reading, you know, local to York, if a uh, friend of the podcast, James Parsons, to believe, has uh, been as Siren Brewery or also there. Um, just a little kind of nod to the uh, the uh, Shoot of Hobbins podcast. 
everyone knows that Wokingham is just outside North Yorkshire. It's, it's been there for years. <laughs> which, which is just outside of Reading, so, you know, it's all dead nearby. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they made the, they made the trip uh, across the country um, to, to Reading. Um, you know, a team that Forest kind of do struggle against sometimes. Um, but took the lead with a absolutely fantastic finish from uh, Zinkenagel. Um, it's an absolute cracking finish. Um, and then, due to report, reports that I read, then proceeded to sit back, which is not something that there's been really something that's been seen at Forest since Steve Cooper got there. But, um, you know, sit, sat back and, as I've alluded to on the podcast before, I don't know why Forrest sit back because their defence is not very good and of course conceded a, uh, a goal from a set play from somebody who I was surprised is still playing Scott Dan I was like when his name popped up I was like Jesus Christ is he still playing uh, but apparently so he's apparently playing at Reading um, but yeah uh, and then I think they tried to Forrest tried to kind of turn it around by putting different players on Um uh, but couldn't and they finished with a bit of a sour note with Max Lowe getting injured um, and it's probably out for two months which considering the smoggy scum are going to take one of their players back that they didn't want at the start of the season leaves us with uh, no wing backs um, by, by the time January comes around so yes it it is becoming more and more likely that uh, Mr. Spence will be uh, returning to the fold. If uh, if if the performances of the uh, of the current right wing back have been anything to go by over the last two uh, last two games, good Christ, he can't come back quick enough. Let's just put it that way. He's um, he's very attacking. Would be my kind of thing. I watched them. Um, we'll come on to last night's game. I watched last night's game, but uh, going forward, he's good. Positionally, um, positionally, is he spends a lot of time running back as fast as he can to get back into position, and then flying straight past the winger that's gone. Oh look, this guy's coming at like a hundred mile an hour, so I'm just going to stop and do, do like a nice little turn here, and he's just going to go careering straight past. He's a he's a very talented player. Um, yeah, no, no great shock as to why Neil Warnock wasn't a fan. Yeah, defend, defending is not not priority. So, uh, fun little game. Hands up if you put Nottingham Forest down to win this game. Stu. Stu. Yeah. Um, ha- hands up if you put down a draw. Ah. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what makes it even even more of a that that. It was, it was one one. Matt did go with a two two, so he just gets the one point. But obviously, he could top that up by putting uh, Zinknagel down to score one of the two goals he predicted. Yeah, that's right. So, here we go. Halfway through the week, Paul out in the lead. Of the people in last place with zero points for the week. Uh, Stu backing him up. Zero points. 
I've got a point. That's how bad a time we're having here. But Matt's like, fuck the lot of you, I'm off with my three points. But it's okay, because there are three more games to save the week. Um, I believe Paul has nothing to say about the first of three games. Um, it's not. It doesn't involve his team. It doesn't involve the uh, the performance that was delivered, and it doesn't involve the fact that all four people on this podcast right now put said team down to comfortably win this game. But anyway. Let's find out what happened when Middlesbrough went up against the PNE. Preston, North, End, Go. So, all football games these days only last 75 minutes, yeah? <laughs> I mean, if that's, I think we've come, if that's. We've come to an agreement that 75 minutes is about the time that, that is required for games, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so good. we'll just take anything that happens after 75 minutes as, as that it didn't happen. Sound alright? Sound fair? I don't, I, I don't agree with that. Cause Forrest I think gone. we should do that. I, I think we should, we'll, we'll make that change. That anything that happens after 75 minutes didn't happen in the game. Um, yeah, this, this, is, this is one where, um, again, I was potentially going to take myself off to this game. I was going to uh, treat myself for me. In, in no way should this ever be classed as a treat as more of a punishment but um, uh, it was a case of if I didn't go on Saturday I was going to go on Tuesday thank God I didn't as I would have if I had have gone I would have unfortunately subjected myself to Middlesbrough 1 Preston North End 2 First Middlesbrough goal, a header direct from a corner, which was the first time in God knows how long that's been the case, but it was a Paddy McNair header from a Johnny House and corner. It was uh, quite quite a nice goal actually. He, uh, he met he met the met the met the cross very nicely. Just powered the header into the uh, the back of the net, uh, and like I say, up to what the seventy fifth minute, absolutely coasting. Pretty much under no danger at any point during the course of the game. And then Preston get a corner on the 77th minute. And they basically do a carbon copy almost of um, of the Borough of the Borough opener. And uh, Chad Evans heads in the equaliser. We then travel to four minutes later. And what can only be described as the most comical attempt at defending I think I've ever had the misfortune to watch caused the uh, the Preston winner um, so Preston are on the attack the ball breaks in the box it's absolutely no danger you've got Saul Bamber pretty much next to Paddy McNair the ball's there for either one of them to clear Saul Bamber goes to clear it and smashes it completely off the back of Paddy McNair's foot the ball drops to El- Emil Reese Jakobsen, who then just uh, just pops the ball in the back of the net for 
walking at 100 kilometers. I mean, that that's the epitome of... It wasn't even smash and grab, because that would indicate that they'd sort of, you know, gone up, gone like out, out and, uh, over and above to sort of like deserve to win the game. We, we basically gave them the win in that mental four-minute period. And it's... It's... I'm sure... Someone should. Someone I saw a stat that someone put on fit on the, on the Middlesbrough football group, uh, football group on Facebook at the weekend. If uh, if all Championship games finished at half time, Middlesbrough will be third in the league this season. They are so bad in the second half of games. They have absolutely no stamina. They just their fitness is just absolutely shocking. They just. They're very much the epitome of a jigsaw puzzle. They just go to pieces in the box. It's 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 bad. Chris Chris Wilder has got a hell of a job on his hands if they, at this at this particular point. Yeah, just not great. Just season might as well be over to be honest. You just bring it on and then just re reassess and just start again next season because at the minute it's that's that's very defeatist that that rules out with the whole January transfer thing trying to bed players in for next year they don't don't sack it off now he's got no. he's got time to get games into yeah. January at the end of the yeah, season yeah you're right but I said to, I said to my friends I don't I, in, in a weird way I don't even want to go up this season because if they get promoted all that's going to happen is they're going to get absolutely pummeled in the Premier League next season because they're not ready they're not ready to play his brand of football they need they need, they need the 18 months, basically, between now and the end of next season to be comfortable playing his system. And he needs to bring in his players to play the system that he's comfortable playing. So, for me, the rest of the season is basically a write-off. And he might as well just use the players that he's got, see whether he wants them or not, and then just start again in the summer. Well... Um, as I may have mentioned, uh, we all put Middlesbrough down to win this game comfortably for some. Uh, I was the only one that, that that was just like, yeah, I'll give Middlesbrough the win, but only just. Um, and and as I'm sure you can imagine, with two Preston North End goals and nobody predicting a Preston North End goal scorer, points are almost nothing. Because there's one man, ladies and gentlemen, stands out there in the darkness and says, do you know something? I see Paddy McNair banging one in the back of the net. And that man is Matthew Moore. Another point for you, sir. <coughs> speaking of points, speaking of Matthew Moore, let's talk about his team. And their night out, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it, you know. They went up against Luton Town. Uh, just goals left, right and centre in this game, wasn't there, Matt? <laughs> it was, and I'm, 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 I'm being a, a homer here, um, it, was a, it was quite an entertaining game to watch. Um, I, I, I watched it last night uh, on like the red button on Sky. Um, and it was quite attacking. It was quite flowing. Both teams kind of gave it a really kind of good go. Um, uh, Forest, I think at the moment, you know, 
uh, pod podcast favourites, Lewis Graben, can't play too many matches on the bounce. And with playing Saturday, Tuesday, then Friday, they rested him last night and played Lyle Taylor. And he tries really hard. He tries really hard. He tries really hard. I, I, I mean, I can't really say anything else apart from that. Um, they looked more of a threat when they were down to 10 men and they'd taken him off to put a defender on to replace the person who got sent off because Johnson went up, went up front and was... Uh, you know, he's got a bit more pace, he's got a bit more about him, he's a, he's a nasty little shit, but um, <laughs> he, he's, you know, they kind of, um, I, I mean, I watched it last night, I, I was pleased with the performance, and but, and Paul, Paul will kind of follow this up, I'm not liking the attitude of the team, they're very whingy, they're, they go hunting the referee in packs, they, they're whining all the time, um, they spent a lot, of, like, a lot of yesterday complaining about decisions, and you know the game was off and being played, and there were still two of them complaining either at the lines, you know, the lines person because there was a, a, a female uh, line lino yesterday. Um, I mean, the main talking point of the match was Jack Colbeck getting sent off, so he's he played left back um, yesterday. Um, got a really stupid first yellow card just like a daft kind of challenge in the middle of the park where there's nothing really happening and then the second gate the second yellow card he just decided to play rugby in the middle of the pe- in the middle of the penalty box took the man out second yellow card sent off um and then so then Luton had a penalty um, and to be fair, someone who's taken, he's kind of got, got back into the form that he that he had when he first joined Forest, um, but it's you know starting to come back round again. But it's been kind of bit bit kind of took a lot of crap in the past kind of year. Uh, Samba saved the penalty and not kind of you know kind of decent save. He saved it with his feet and managed to it kind of went over the bar and behind for a corner, um, but. I don't know. Neither neither team looked like they were going to score, but it was quite an entertaining game to watch. But there, uh, yeah. And due to neither team looking like they're going to score, and neither of them did. So uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be yeah, lovely tasty points of none. We are going to take a very quick break, but we're going to be back to talk about what that means for the points our end. Two sacks. Press the wrong button. You'd think after nearly 500 podcasts, I'd actually be able to work this freaking machine. Uh, so, Nottingham Forest. Uh, do you know what's great about uh, about nil nil with, uh, with with a Forest game is that all those lovely uh, predictions of scores and all those lovely predictions of goal scorers, Stu. Um, Aren't worth diddly squat. I, I said Zinka Nagel would score last week, and he did. I just picked the wrong game. I mean, I feel like I feel like you've taken a, a personal pop at me there because I also put Zinka Nagel down. <laughs> what are you saying, Mike? So I can't pick a goal. I can't pick a goal scorer for Toffee. I'll have you know, you are right. 
But at the time, at the point in time we started recording this podcast, there was a game in play. Oh, by the way, I don't know if anybody needed to know, but nobody got any points from that game. Um, there was a game in play, which whilst we've been sitting here chatting football, that game's been going on. This is the this is it, boys. It's the last chance to turn the week around. Can we do it? Somewhere we might be the whole city of the podcast. Stew. Mm-hmm. When we started, so, when we started, Hull were already doing the business. How did it yep. finish up? Well, in the battle of the, the two cities, Cardiff and Hull, it finished Cardiff nil, Hull won. Unbelievable. So, and as well, you're looking for points. Surely to God, here comes some points because it was podcast favourite Keen Lewis Potter on 15 minutes. Um, I'm not sure what's more of a shock that the fact that they won two on the bounce, the fact that they held a lead for 75 minutes of a game. The bit that's not shocking is Hull had apparently 38 to 62 possession had one shot on target. Cardiff had four shots on target, 14 attempts in total. Uh, but yeah, it's the only one that counts. So, here we go. So yeah, happy to report that that is uh, six points from a possible six for Hull. Obviously, it's not really turning out that way for us lot this time around, is it? Six points, you say? Um... I'm not seeing six in the books, Stu. I'm not seeing six in the books. Between us. <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing six in the book between us. That's not, that's not technically true, but I didn't want to ruin what's about to happen because it's only taken him six attempts, but somebody correctly predicted Cardiff City nil, Hull City one. He's going for it. Go on. We, you'll, you can have it. Go on, pump that fist. Paul Williams, two points for no you, way. sir. Nil one. Congratulations on not finishing the week with zero points. As if I've gone for as if I've gone for a one nil all away win and not picked Keen Lewis Potter to score. Well, I, I did want to correct Stu when he said podcast favourite, and I looked to the book and went, he's not that much of a favourite, is he? Because only one of us picked him. <laughs> Hello. Um, Stu, your your reverse psychology did well. You, uh, you heavily backed Cardiff City uh, to the point where you couldn't pick Hull goal scorers, so no points for you. Matthew Moore was on a, a week of draws, um, but to make his Cardiff City prediction uh, easy, he picked himself. Um, he did not pick uh, pick Lewis Potter to score. I I went with Hull to win because I backed the home team. 
Unfortunately, I did not do as well as Paul by correctly predicting the score. Uh, but I did pick podcast favourite Lewis Potter to score. So I also got two points from this game. What does that do to the week? Um, in some respects, a lot. In others, uh, yes, yes, Stu, it's, it's time to... Hide your shame. Um, Stu got no points, everybody. Stu got no points. So he had to offset six points for his team with no points for himself. But them's the breaks. (laughs) Them's the breaks. When you use the reverse psychology method, somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. Um, Paul is in third place this week with the two points he got from the whole game I am uh, second this week with three points but taking a point in the second half of the week to add to his already impressive three points it's Matthew Moore ladies and gents Matthew Moore taking the victory it's a hollow victory, but I'll take it. <laughs> I tell you, it was, t- it was tough updating the book this week, just going, yeah, really? Wow. Football co- podcast with football experts. We really know our teams. Um... <sighs> so, Paul, where do you want to take us next on this lovely journey? Well... The, the this week in football segment will be will be heavily sort of influenced on one particular happening, so I think we'll probably better leave that to last. So we might as well go for this week's predictions, I'd say. Okay, predictions wise, uh, we have the Forest Boys, West Bromwich Albion taking on Nottingham Forest. Uh, Match your team, your prediction will be last. So, Stu or Paul, who fancies taking the first prediction of the week? I, I can hit you with that straight away. Looking Unfortunately, that, I am sorry to report, I have put West Brom 2, Forest 1. Oof. Cutting. So, I've gone for Phillips and Grant to score for... West Brom and Matt swayed me slightly earlier when he said he'd been rested so I've, I've clearly gone for Graben to uh, get back on the horse um, I've, I've taken it I've taken it real simple this week with my predictions I just want to see home victories for the, for the podcast crew I just want to see home victories one with a 1-0 Nottingham Forest win but I was like, do you know what? Every week, Grabham's there. He's in the book. Not this week for me. Lolly. Because I'd also be giving... Because I like, I like obviously, saying the name Zinkenagel week in, week out as well. So I thought I'd give that a rest. So it's Lolly for me. Paul? Uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Interesting. 
score us. Just uh, flicking through, trying to see if there's anyone who used to play for uh, West Brom in Forest Uh I would like to go for James Garner. Please. For West Brom. For Forest. Oh. Mm. Okay. Uh, and I'll go for Matt Phillips to score for West Brom. Okay. Matt, tell these tell these guys how it really going down. I have agreed with Stu. I've gone with the two one loss. Wow. Um away from home. I mean I, I know West Brom seems to be rounded into decent form. Um you know, they're third in the table, are they something about last? Um and like I said, the, the defence the forest defence is not looking is starting to look shaky. And we're starting to lose players, um, and like there was times like last night where Luton were just running all over them. So I've gone for Grant and Jordan Hugel um, to score for West Brom, and Brennan Johnson to get one for Forest. Um, I like the lolly pick though because he's a local lad; he's from that area. So. Don't think he's full yam yam, but you know. <laughs> Lovely stuff. So Huddersfield are taking on the mighty Borough. Um, like I said, I'm keeping it simple this week. Keep it simple, stupid, and I am indeed simple. So I've gone with Middlesbrough one, Huddersfield nothing, not a single thing. I've gone with Spora to score the one goal for Middlesbrough, which will win this game. Paul, obviously you're going last. And I know, I can see by the look on his face, Stu is absolutely chomping to get in on this one. So, Matt, what have you got down for this game? <laughs> I have gone for a one-all draw. Huddersfield one, Middlesbrough one. Okay. With I'm definitely butchering this. I've, or I've written it down. Coroma for Huddersfield. K O R O M A. And just to keep the curs going, Coburn for uh, for Millsbury. Beautiful. Go on, Stu. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be accused of uh, of cheating, but um, I don't know if you can see the piece of paper there, Andy. That is a Huddersfield nil. <laughs> Middlesbrough won with Spolar to score prediction, so exactly the same as yours. And to make it a hat trick, Paul's um, Huddersfield nil, Middlesbrough won, Spolar to score. Good. Now, if if, uh, if Neil Warnock was still in charge, this is the sort of game where if they've come off an absolute disaster that would have happened on Tuesday, this would be this would have nil nil written all over it. Um, but I don't think I can go for us to say nil. I don't think I can put more down for nil nils anymore because I just know how terribly fucking bad the defending is. So even if even if Huddersfield don't look like they're going to score, we'll just give them a goal at some point anyway. So 
Um, I'll go for an optimistic 1-2. Okay. Now, uh, did we work out if Fraser Campbell's still there? So, in that case, I'll go for Sinani to score for Huddersfield. Okay. Uh, and for Borough, he's shown flashes in the last couple of games, so I reckon he might be tempted to start Odell Hernandez, so I will go for him to get one. Mm-hmm. And I reckon they might keep the, uh, the trend of getting a set-piece goal so I'll go for Sol Bamba score to pass it across the face of his own goal. I mean, he got an own goal and basically an assist in the last fucking game, the last two games. So he might as well stick one in the in the right net for a change. That's provided he plays. He might not even play him after his after his shocker on Tuesday. But saying that, he's not really got anyone else he can play because he's a bit, they're a bit threadbare at the minute. So, our last game of the week, feels weird saying that with only three games in the book, is a Hull versus Millwall game. So, Stu, you're going last. Uh, let's double back round. Let's get back on the Paul train. Paul, what are you thinking with Hull versus Millwall? <laughs> well, it depends. Are Millwall going to play football or are they going to turn up and shit out their way through 90 minutes again? Of course they fucking are. Um, I really hope... I, I, I they're on a good run. Uh, I will go for 2-0 Hull. Please. Well, KLP, as I believe he's known in the biz, okay. and um, McGinnis. Sorry, Matt. Um, I am in a in a similar vein to you. Like I said, I wanted to keep keep it simple this week, so I've gone one nil for Hull. Lewis Potter others. So Matt. I have got also a similar vein to you, so we're all putting the curse on uh, on Hull this week. Um I, I've gone two one to Hull. Um to give up a goal. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna change mine a little bit because I don't want to be the same with everyone. Now I'm gonna be furious when he scores. So I'm gonna go McGinnis and Honeyman. I've removed Lewis Potter from my uh, goal scorers, so when everybody else has counted up their lovely Lewis Potter points, I'm going to be absolutely stopped, as it's known as up here. And for Millwall, Matty Smith, because he's a kind of lanky, jackass striker that Millwall love, and if they're playing dirty football, he'll definitely score. Shots fired. 
But are those shots on target? That's the question. Stu, let's uh, let's hear what's actually going to happen in this game. So you know how in the last two weeks, obviously I got no points from the games, but also I've uh, predicted them to lose, and then they've gone on to win. Well, I thought about doing that again, but then I also thought about the fact that we've got again somehow got Middlesbrough sloppy seconds from the other week, and I thought <sighs> if they're going to travel up north and they're going to, as Paul put it, shit out their way through the game. They got a 1-1 result last time, so why not get a 1-1 result this time as well? So I've gone for Hull 1, Middlesbrough 1, uh, no, they're, 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 they're. Millwall 1, Middlesbrough would be lucky to score in that game, never mind their own. Um, so, <laughs> so for Hull, I have gone for McGuinness. He is overdue, big time. Um, and for to fix it for Millwall, I have gone for Savile. There we go. That's it. Put the pen away. That is all the games that we predicted last week sorted out. And this week's predictions done and in the book. I believe that leads us straight into this week in football. A segment weirdly named because we're talking about what's happened in the last week in the football. It makes sense somewhere. So, has anything going on in the football world slash news? Well, it's it's all pretty much been dominated by a certain uh, managerial casualty in a certain northwestern town. Uh, Stu would like to raise something, clearly. I think he's supposed to lead him with, the wheel has fallen off. Well... It's not even that, is it? It's just that the wheel is no longer manned. Sure, been confiscated by Edward Wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they're they're, uh, they're sailing. Well, I was going to say wheelless, but that's probably not correct, is it? Wheelless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, what we're, what we're alluding to is it finally happened. Man United finally got so bad that they decided that enough was enough and uh, they couldn't persist with Oregon or Solskjaer if they're going to Watford and losing 4-1. So on Sunday morning, Mr. Mr. Solskjaer was asked to uh, remove himself from the ground, from the position of manager, um, probably... At least, at least two, if not three, four weeks too late, really. Mm-hmm. Arguably, well, he got um, he got the benefit of the international break, didn't he? They sort of give him that two weeks to to sort of reset, get everything in order, playing against the side that they should absolutely be beating, and got stuffed big yep. time. Wasn't even close, was it? No point nope. ever in the game. The uh, the. the the fact the fact that Watford could have scored more was the was the most damning thing. So Watford technically missed they technically missed two penalties two penalties in this. I know that I know that it was the the first one was missed. They scored the rebound, but then it was a retake, and then the retaken penalty was also missed. So it would it would it would have only counted for one goal. But technically they missed two penalties. 
the missed hat, the missed a hatful of other chances. It could have been much worse than the four-one that it ended up as well. It's been a slow, slow, steady decline since arguably the end of last season. I, I didn't know if it was maybe time for him to go after they lost the Europa League final personally because that that game. I remember watching that game with uh, with. Uh, previous podcast alum, Mr. Panas, actually. I, watched, I was watching it with him. Um, and I, I thought the writing was on the wall then because it was that sort of thing where they they should have won that game ten times over. And it was a case of, is he is just going to be one of those managers who's destined to never win a trophy? And it's come to pass that, certainly with Man United, he won't be, so... <laughs> it, it's... It's a very strange situation because I actually watched a bit of it. Uh, they, they played in the Champions League this week against uh, Villarreal, and it, it was exactly the same team, exactly the same set of coaching staff minus Oli. And not only did they play well, they looked up for it. But I think the most telling statistic from the entire night was that in the player ratings. Fred got nine. That guy has been missing for months. Months and months and months. And yet the first game without Ollie, and he's like pulling in a nine. But I hate it when this happens though. When like it, it's Solskjaer's always gonna be a club favourite at, at United. He's always gonna get Kind of, is it, everybody's going to look at him through those rose-tinted glasses for what you know what he did as a player, but there was clearly something. He's quite he's quite mild mannered, but it was clearly something in his demeanour that the players didn't get on with. Maybe maybe they thought they didn't have he didn't have enough of a killer instinct to him as a manager. Who knows? Because he was always really nice and friendly, and oh, you know, well, don't worry about it. We'll sort it out next time. Sort of a, a demeanour about him. Yet the, <laughs> the first game. It, essentially in a knockout tournament as well I know it was technically a group game but they, they needed to, to pull the results to get through and they just went and did the business away from home as well I think the, the thing that got me was that like Bruno Fernandes at the, you know, everyone's praising Bruno Fernandes at the end of that Watford game saying don't boo Solskjaer did this that and the other blame the players and you're like well you know and everyone's like alright isn't it good and you're like well no have a bit about yourselves to play well during the match so you don't get stuffed 4-1 by, by Watford. Don't then turn around to people and go, oh, blame us for losing. Well, yeah, yeah spoiler alert, I blame you for losing. Yeah. Also, don't, you know, you, you've put the manager in that position by your piss-poor performance. I don't know, like, you know, we've said it before and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we won't say it again because he's sad now. <clears throat> the most egregious thing about it is that they've spent, what, over a hundred million on two players that look like a shell of the potential of what they what they're meant to be, and apparently, I mean, I didn't watch it last night, but like Sancho had a, an awesome game last night. Yeah, scored his finished goal. It was um, it was a strange one that as well because um, I think it was it might have been Fernandez that was in the middle. And they give him the credit for a pass across to the right hand side of the box, but he blatantly was going to shoot and messed it up. <laughs> the have you seen though that the um, the it, it's a, it's a strange one, and that they're not obviously they're not diving in for a straight up replacement. 
Um, they were banding around some terrible statistic about Michael Carrick winning his first game in charge last night as well, and like he joined some slim slim company of, I think only four of the Man United managers or something like that. The best but, thing about the Carrick thing was the fact that as soon as the game finished, the means came out with the Rio Ferdinand putting the piece of paper down on the table and then saying, if I was Man United, this is what I'd be doing. I'd be saying to Michael Carrick, I'd just be saying, you know, there's the paper, there's the contract. You put whatever money you want on there. Carrick's at the wheel. United are back. <laughs> and stuff like that. It was just brilliant. Oh. Well, my, my favourite thing from the entire situation, um, obviously they're looking for a manager, possibly short term, has been banded around whilst they can maybe get something a bit longer at the end of the season. But um, everybody that's listened along before will know that we've talked about Newcastle previously and will remember that Steve Bruce is out of a job currently. So Steve Bruce didn't put himself forward in the media for this. His son did. So Alex Bruce, football agent to the stars now, puts his dad forward for the interim Man United job. And, I mean, from from my own experience, as we know, wherever Steve goes, so does Alex. So if you thought Harry Maguire was bad at the back for Man United, look out, kids. <laughs> oh, my God, it's happening, isn't it? They're going to recreate that whole back line of Alex Bruce and Paul McShane. <laughs> We'll have to stop presenting this podcast to begin with, much yet, don't you think? So. Good Christ. <laughs> I hadn't heard of the guy who did uh, the, uh, I mean, probably through my just lack of football knowledge, but Ernesto Valverde apparently is the... Uh, yeah, he was a previous Barcelona manager. Um, so, there's a couple of, there's a couple of rumours out there, so, yeah... Apparently they've opened talks with Ernesto Valverde uh, as though to appoint an interim manager until next summer. Um, I saw a couple of things on Twitter about like certain United fans saying it's like it's typical that United would in- appoint an interim manager or they've appointed an interim manager until they can get the interim manager in to take yeah. it to the end of the season. So if they're going to do that, why, do they, why don't they just say Carrick just takes it till the end of the season or Carrick and Fletcher just mm. between but um, if it starts well, it gives them a bit more time to kind of not make that decision, kind of thing. But I think it's that that is that thing of they're inexperienced and you don't know how good they're going to be. So you perhaps want to get your guy in, or you know whoever you're getting in, um, in you know in time. But if it's going to take a little bit longer than a few days, it's. It's, it's a thing, but what you can end up doing is they can end up boxing themselves into the same position as what they did with Solskjaer. He mm. was only meant to be interim until the end of the season, then had a really good kind of thing, and he was like, Shall we give him the job? Oh, yeah, all right then. Yeah, and then you kind of like 12 months later thinking, Oh crap, we're stuck with him now. And because he's a fan favourite from his career there as a player. It's like nothing you can do with it, kind of thing. It's, it's that's it. We're stuck with him until kind of thing, and that's what they're going to avoid, kind of thing, uh, moving forward. Obviously, uh, we we also shared and 
chuckle that the uh, people asking Wayne Rooney about possibly taking the Man United job as well. Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, because of the stellar job he's done at Derby. It was. It was the. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! They're back in positive points now. It was the hilarious banter around the fact that he he felt he had to distance himself from the job, like there was ever a chance he was going to get it. He's like, oh, come on, mate! At least have a little bit of like you know, nouse about you and realise that it's basically people trying to wind you up, you mug. People throw anything out there, won't they? Yeah, but. I don't, I, I don't know. I imagine that. I imagine that Carrick will still be in charge come Saturday, or like I say, in charge. He'll still be running the ship come Saturday. Um, will will the would they just would they even be tempted just to say like let's just let's just leave it until the end of the the end of the year and they like, go again in like January or the, you'd imagine that the, like, they'll they'll potentially want to have a guy in place when the transfer window opens in May. Uh, in January, in case he wants to bring in a couple of players to supplement the squad and stuff like that. But I also did think it was it was rather ironic that the last the last goal of the uh, United Solskjaer era was scored by the guy who couldn't get a game under him for love nor money in Donny Van Der Beek. Um, thought that was quite telling. Yeah, yeah. It was just ridiculous. The, 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 the kind of he got he got his stay of execution by beating Tottenham, which was a kind of loser leave town match kind of thing. Whichever person yeah. lost in that one was going. Um, and just think, now both of those managers have gone, and they probably were really good, not not good enough to do the jobs that they were kind of employed to do, kind of thing. That you know, Nuno seems to be a team builder. And then can't take him any further. Solskjaer got dropped into a decent team that did all right, but kind of doesn't seem to be able to kind of. I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I would. You don't want to judge him on one one kind of thing. And obviously, he did a good job at Mould, but um, they're not exactly. It's not a stellar league, but you know, he's probably just not good enough. Would, would sounds a terrible thing to say, but he's probably just not good enough. The telling, the telling thing for me was the fact that the, everyone said this. It was a case of, well, let's put it, in, let's put it in perspective. So, if if all the other managers at the top four clubs, are like let's look, the two Manchester clubs, Chelsea and Chelsea City and Liverpool. Sorry, I was struggling there. Um, yeah, the two Manchester clubs, Chelsea and Liverpool. If those managers were to leave those clubs. They would take over any of the other clubs in the top four. Whereas, if Solskjaer was to leave United, there's no way the other three clubs would be clamouring to get him in the door as the manager. And that was the difference in the top and in the in the top four managers. It was a case of like he was he was very much the odd man out, and the only reason he got the job is of his previous sort of playing experience that he had there, and that he was obviously. In the in the idea of the United Way and whatnot, it's it always annoys me when people say like, "Oh no, no you've got to know the club and stuff." Like that. And it's like, well, no. If they're the, if they're the, if they're a good manager, they'll implement their ideas on the players. Well, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, they've not exactly got a sort of easy game at the weekend either to test themselves, have they? Because they're up against Chelsea and for Bridge, I believe. Gary Neville covered it on the, um, I think it was just the Sky Sports YouTube channel when he said that um, they're going to have to regroup. Obviously, this was before the game, the, the game they played on Tuesday against Villarreal. But he said they're going to have to, they're going to have to regroup and sort of just like get that, get back down to brass tacks on the trading pitch because if they don't, there's going to be a, a, a whole shed load of people who are going to be watching them just get absolutely mullered by Chelsea on t- on live TV. Mm. Yeah. It's true. If they don't, if they don't turn up, they're going to get absolutely spanked by that Chelsea team. Just, just like on 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 that note, on that note, Chelsea at the minute. I know they signed Lukaku for a ridiculous amount of money, but their defenders. It, it's unbelievable the amount of goals their defenders have scored for the team this season. It's ridiculous. And Lukaku been injured though, so it's sort of worked quite well for him. It has, but like obviously, even before he was injured, like. I think he he played them like three or four games without scoring, and they just kept getting bailed out by the fact that Chilwell scoring three games back to back. Reese James, I think Reese James got like six for the season or something. Like that, and he's a right back. It's unbelievable. Like the goals are literally just coming from the back, and that's about it. Rudiger pops up with a good with a goal every now and again as well. He's... Yeah, it's crazy. So there we go. Anything else news-wise? There's lots of shaking heads over here. Any other business? More, more shaking, more shaking of the heads. Oh, Paul still haven't Paul still haven't appointed a new manager yet. From my perspective, but yeah. that is what it. I'm I'm expecting the call any day. Um, there we go. That's uh, that's the week that was and the week that's going to be. Uh, I'm personally hoping for uh, for for the to be able to say the words correctly predicted the score and the goal scorer this time next week, but we will have to see. Um, obviously, good luck to the home teams. This week, Nottingham Forest, Middlesbrough and Hull, hoping to get all those juicy, juicy wins. I will see these gentlemen next week, and we will all see you lovely people next week. And until then, it's bye from these, it's bye from me. Look, they're all waving. And to see that, tune in on YouTube. See you later, boys. Bye. Bye. So there you go, what do you think to that? Another week of games done, another week of games to come, plenty of news, all the good football stuff. Big thank you to all of our subscribers. Um, If you're not currently subscribing, please consider subscribing, because it really helps us, gets the old uh, word of mouth going. You can also check out our website, thecookieass.com, and you can drop us a line and let us know how you're getting on. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye and I'll see you then.